He is standing up here. And we're standing in his presence. And that's scary. So often, um, I guess it's the good kind of scared. Holy ground, scared. Fear of the Lord, scared. You know, I, I think about sometimes being in the presence of the Lord or, you know, a, a Jesus appearing. What kind of things would, would I do? You know, that song, I can only imagine, where he says, will I stand before you? Will I do this? Will I do that? What will I do? Because I, I really don't know. I, I know what I think, but I remember an encounter I had with him where it was like, you're thinking you're going to ask him this, or you ask him for that, or you ask this. And none of those things were the, were the thing. When it came right down to it, it was the, the thing that I ask is the thing that he wants most to deal with. That's what you ask him. Because it'll be what's on your mind. It'll be what's been in your heart. It's the thing that you, he wants to talk about. He wants to deliver us from. He wants to, to make a change. He wants to open our eyes to see. He's going to direct the conversation in such a way that we will ask him the questions that he wants to answer because we have need of the knowing that he wants to impart to us. And so he, he really, it is divinely, if it's a divine appointment, then it will also be divinely orchestrated. And so there's no fear that you will say the wrong thing. It's not possible to say the wrong thing to God. Some of the questions, the turmoil that goes on, I had a situation this week. There were some things that, that were going on, and I, I, frankly, I got, I got upset. And I got angry to the degree that I kind of felt myself shut down. And I knew... that the shutdown was in an area where I was not used to talking to the Lord. I realized that the places where, you, whether you have a temper tantrum or you go into a, uh, an old habit or uh, some of the different things that can happen in a, in a spiritual crisis, in a, in a moment of soulish confrontation or, or whatever it happens to be, that in that moment... I discover, or you can discover, this is an unsubmitted area of my heart. It's a place where I'm not used to talking to God because I've never let him in here. And the behavior, you can tell because the corresponding behavior is not kingdom. The corresponding behavior is flesh. The corresponding behavior is something other than a Jesus response. Why? Because he's never had place here. He's the owner of the whole property, but there are certain keys I didn't turn over. You see, keys to me that I really need for him to have in order for me to, to move in in the direction that he wants. So this was, it was a good discovery. It was, it was a great thing because as I was praying later and I started to just talk to him, it wasn't a, oh, Heavenly Father, I just opened my mouth and started talking. To him, It's like, okay, I, I want to talk to you about this, Lord. And I'm angry about this, and this is what I'm feeling. This, these are throne of grace moments. This is, I'm, I'm before my Father. I'm with my Father. The Bible says you can come boldly before the throne of grace. 
you can obtain help in time of need. Well, when I'm talking to him in that way, it's because I need help. Hallelujah. I'm recognizing that if there's an opposition to you, and I need help because I don't want to stay this way. Okay? We Sin says run away from God, but love tells you to run to him. And we are not sinners. We're children of God. So identity is very important in terms of, uh, in terms of having that ability to, to know, I can come to you when I'm upset. I can come to you when I don't understand. I'm frustrated. Here's why I'm angry. I'm upset over a certain situation that I see. It's not even about me. In fact, I wasn't upset about myself at all. It wasn't even about me, but I could still say, wow, but I, I don't talk to you in, in these moments when this type of thing has come. I, it has not really been my habit to discuss things with you, God. And so I have to make a new habit. I'm breaking this now. That's what this conversation was about. I'm bringing this area of, of unsubmitted me to you, to submit this to you, so that in future, as soon as something comes up on the horizon, then we will have this conversation. Why? It wasn't even just being unsubmitted. It was the fact that it's an area of my calling that had not been activated. I, I remember one of Dr. Baker's mentors, um, Mike Murdoch used to say, I, I'm paraphrasing, but it was basically um, along the lines of when, when something is really bothering you, it's because it's an area where you were call, called to solve the problem. You're called to do something about it. You be, become frustrated or angry over situations, things that just really get you. And, and the trick of the enemy is to get us to complain like the world does, to thought find like the world does, to do things the way that we did before Jesus. But the truth is, is that what we are called to do is to observe it from the kingdom perspective, to right. begin to release the word and the, the power of the word of the king into those areas and to start breaking this thing up, to start uprooting the things. We're called to be, it's a problem that I was called to solve. I'm a part of, uh, it's not just me. It's never just me, but it's whoever it is in that, what is that word? I'll even say that legion, that, 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 that group, that team, that is supposed to be a part of it. The team is all over the world. There's part of the team in Sweden, part of the team is in Germany, some of the team is in Canada, some of the team is in Japan, the team is in, or part of the team is in Russia. There's, there are individuals that are all over the world that are comprised or called of God to, to all point towards this particular situation, whatever it happens to be, and to release the words of the kingdom in every language, the language of the kingdom spoken in every dialect, every tongue, to let it be known to the adversary that the eyes of the kingdom of God are upon what he's doing, and we are here to put a stop to it. Because otherwise, we're not fulfilling that part of, of, of who it is at the body of Christ, the function of the body of Christ, because Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. And that is our responsibility every single day. 
And whenever I destroy a work of the devil internally, I am now empowered to begin to move in the mission, the calling to destroy those same things outwardly. That's why the call to overcome is so great. Because overcoming power gives you authority on a different level from simply knowing that you are authorized by the kingdom to do what, what the king says to do. Okay? This is the power of testimony. This is the power. This is why when you hear somebody else's testimony and you get excited over what God has done or what, what they have realized from the kingdom, that you also are to pick the piece out of the testimony that is applicable to you. It's the part, the, and I read the scripture, I think yesterday, where basically it was just saying you, you, you pull, um, Lord, where is it? You pull from what someone else has said. You extract the part that is yours. We don't speak the word of God just to talk. We don't stand up here or sit or be on um, Zoom and all these other things talking about the Word of God just to, to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. It's to empower the, our individual and our respective walks. And it is meant to and it's designed to, to give each of us a, a, a piece, if you will, that, that contributes or adds to our momentum. It, it's, it's not to slow us uh, down to a... Um, to a place of ineffectiveness. But it's to, it's to show us, no, you go into the rest of God, you refuel here, you, you recede, you speak the word, you, you release the word, you get the kingdom strategy, and then you get your instructions and you follow it out. Right. So it's about completion upon completion upon completion. So as I, I mentioned last week, and I, it was funny, I talked to Nicole afterwards because we had had that little thing about her being at that house where we were. And it was like, no, she never was there. But it felt like I've just known her forever. So of course you were there. It's like, what do you mean you weren't in our lives? And, you know, of course you were. Haven't you always been there? And I think that that's what family is, is like. It's like, well, what do you mean you didn't? It's like, you never came to that house. I didn't? No. Oh, I thought I'd been there. You know, because... You see, so anyway, that's just, to, we'd already cleared it up, but I'm just telling you all, and I listened to last week, and so I had even cleared it up then, but just for the record, she never went to that house. I saw she had, I saw her there, but she wasn't actually there. Okay, so, so anyway, some people were, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, if, listen to last week. Just go to the site, you'll hear it, and um, that'll clear that up. Because I was emphatic. Yes, she were there. No, she never was there. Okay. Um, I went through these words, and I, I found something that gave me, if you, uh, if you could just see the one little word that says, Wow. Now, this is something that the Lord released to me in 2017. And I'm going to tell you that as I was reading through it, it's like, I kind of remember this stuff, but, but it's like there was a fog. I mentioned this before. And what we're doing when we talk about the awakening, it's, it's being awakened to the righteousness and your, I, the, these aspects of your calling that you forgot. People can get so zeroed in on, I'm called to do this. It's like, but did you, what about this part of that? And what, what, what are you talking about that part? No, this, this part is the part that precedes that. 
what do you mean? And you go back and you find, whoa, wait a minute, he gave it to me step by step. I asked the Lord, I've been asking him, how do you do this? How do you do this? How do you do this? I go back over these words, and there it is. He told me 15 years ago, here's exactly how you do it. It's like, well, how did I not know this? And as I mentioned before, because, you know, you're not actually in very many circumstances, you may never have been taught how to receive a prophetic word. We're going to remedy that. But you may never have been taught. So, you know, somebody is standing there and they say the, 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 the woman in the yellow or the, 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 the man in the, in the T-shirt, you know, can you stand? And you stand and they say da-da-da-da-da. Now, you're not really hearing it. Because first of all, there's a part of your mind that's going, why would you call me out? Another part of you is thinking, oh God, I hope I'm not on the camera. Another part of you is thinking, I don't even have a tape recorder. I wonder if they're going to record this for me. And then by the time you zero in on it, it's almost like, do you see that? Oh yeah. <laughs> I don't have a clue what you said. God said, and they give you these this rundown. And and so and if if you know what to do with it, then you know they're gonna you either get a copy of it or you definitely, you know, buy that message so that you can extract that from you and uh, from there, I should say. And then you're gonna go and write it out and you're going to do what? Oh, it's in a notebook and I just leave it for 10 years until I come back and say, I thought God said he was gonna do something about that. But we didn't know, yeah, but you get to pray into it. In fact, we're told, don't even worry about it, just leave it alone. If God said it, then he'll work it out. Well, there's a middle part. Because you see, salvation has been worked out, but we have to work it out. They, every person on the planet is saved, but not everyone will be saved. Salvation provision has been made. The provision for the forgiveness of sins, the provision is already there. No one needs to ask God, would you please manufacture a way to forgive me? But everyone that, cl that claims what God has has not necessarily gone to get it. There's food in the house, but you have to eat it. Am I making sense? Yes. There are things that in this, this is your season. We're talking from Galatians, what is it, 6, 7? In due season, which the Lord is open to us to understand in your season. So what we're talking about now is about your season, our respective season, and our collective season. This is our time. There's a weight and a weight that is connected to that. There is a W-E-I-G-H-T, a weight, and it's a, it's, a, it's a release of glory, abundance, everything good that is in that. And then there is a W-A-I-T, which is the anticipation of the sons of God moving toward their place of manifestation. There's a waiting, it's like, this is your time, so what are you going to do about it? Well, I'm going to wait on the Lord. Good. 
then wait on him in action. That's right. Not in passivity. Passivity is not kingdom. It's not kingdom. Are you with me? There are words we, I know there are people that pray the, the words that are, are spoken and then there are other people that receive the words that are spoken and then there is the, 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 the folks that are looking to carry it out and those are all the same people. It's all a part of us, not just one part. There are moments that somebody else is praying for me and I pull on that prayer to let it do the work, the, the plunging, the, the purging, the, the healing, the re restoring, all of the things that it does for the purpose of getting out there to do my part of, uh, I will say this, it uses this expression, help make it happen, which means to push for the manifestation of what he promised. Well, we don't have to do anything but wait on God. No, you wait on God to hear from God and then obey what God said. That's right. It's the, that's the steps that are just, it's the flow of victory. Any strategy or any, any, any uh, battle that is won is won not by dumb luck. But it's won by uh, strategic measures that are put in place and being prepared to take the victory as opposed to coming in hoping that you win. Even when you're outnumbered, when you have the, victor, the victor's expectation and the mindset that says, I don't care how many there are, they're not going to defeat us. Then you, you find uh, things happen differently. I'm, I'm reminded of a cartoon right now. And the cartoon is Milan. And there was a scene in this cartoon, because you know I watched all these things when my daughter was growing up. If she was gonna see it, I, I had to see it. And um, there was a scene in there where uh, whoever it was that was against them, um, there were only maybe 10, I think, in their number. And they had this whole, I mean, the artwork on this was, it was, was really very well done. But when the, when the snow, the, the mist cleared, you looked and it, the whole, the whole region was just dotted with all of these soldiers that were coming against them, you know, the evil, the evil side. And so their, uh, their, their colonel or whatever he was, their leader, he said, if we die, we die with honor. And so there are only eight of us, so we're going to go. And it looks like we're going to die, but we're going to die with honor. But Milan, since he was a girl masquerading as a guy, they had one cannon, just one. And it was like, what are we going to do? You know, we're going to aim this one little sorry cannon at them, and then that's going to be the end of it, because they're going to, they're going to, man, they're going to be on us like chickens on bugs. It's just over. But the strategy, the expectation, no, I will not just be defeated. Because if you watch the film, you understand this, this person went through a whole change of thinking. And so looking at what was coming, it was like, we won't make it. Looking up, she saw uh, a precipice, or she saw uh, uh, the, the makings of an avalanche. And she took the cannon and shot it at that one strategic place where when it crumbled, it began this increasing 
snowfall or avalanche that wiped, well, basically wiped out the majority of them. And so the odds were against them, but they did not die. The expectation, because they were outnumbered, was that they should die. But one person, even though the, even the leader said, well, we die with honor, one person said, I'm not dying. I didn't come all the way out here to die. I came to defeat an enemy. And just because it doesn't look like I can, doesn't mean that I won't. That is what Jesus did. It don't look like one man can take down a demonic empire. But he took down the demon itself by his obedience to the king. And that's how we do it, too. Every single time. It isn't me um, thinking so highly of me. The Bible says you exalt the word. And the word will do the work that it knows to do because it's primed for it. Are you guys with me? Yes. Yes. All right. What I'm going to do is I'm going to share something. I went through, and this is how you can kind of, um, oh, go to the second, the second slide for a minute. All right. So what I'm talking is kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. It's uh, line upon line upon line. This is why it's one stacked upon the other. It's kingdom, it's kingdom, it's kingdom. Spirit is kingdom, soul is kingdom, body is kingdom, life is kingdom. It's kingdom, it's kingdom, it's kingdom. There is a, there is a kingdom response for every scenario of life. There is a kingdom response that needs to be released. Every time there is a enemy uh, headline or broadcast or whatever it happens to be, there is a kingdom response that sets in motion a change of atmosphere and a change of outcome. I think about people that I've heard their stories. They're no longer on the planet. They were murdered. They were this. They were that. And I think about the fact, uh, I wonder, you know, you ask, well, God, where were you? How is it that this person died and, and this person lived? We had that scenario when you all were sharing about the man that died in the propane thing the same week that our, my brother lived. And I ask, I wonder, and I, I don't have all the answers. I have a part of something, okay? I have a part of something that, that I'm, I'm, I'm pushing to... to Pushing to, to have better understanding for the sake of behavior, for the sake of being able to even to express it. But it, it, it's, and, and understanding comes because you ask him for it and he gives it. Uh, I, I'm diverting a little bit because the Bible, I was reading in James yesterday. And I saw where it says, go, go to James 3. In James chapter 3, is it 3? 
Start with verse 13. And the question is, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation, which speaks to behavior, it speaks to attitude, it speaks to outlook. And it speaks to, the conversation here is talking about the, the, uh, the attitude, uh, the approach that you have. Show of, out of a good conversation, or in other words, you could say a good witness. His works with meekness of wisdom. And that, that's really good to, to break down, but let, let me just go to what I want to get to here. He says, if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, don't glory. Glory not and lie not against the truth. This is being a false witness. This is that testimony of, of hypocrisy. This is that thing that says, you know, you say the right stuff, but you don't actually say the right stuff. The, the bitterness of your heart, the bitterness of envy, the, the, the judgments and the criticisms that, that are collectively a part of the overall bitterness contribute to a tainting of your testimony. And it is apparent to those, I, I used the baboon example last week, but it's very obvious to those that I see in the spirit and even those that do not, the taste, the, 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 uh, the smell in the spirit is just that little bit off. He says, because when you lie against the truth, truth always stands. Truth is never mis uh, it never changes color. Truth never folds. You understand? Truth never backs away from being what it is. Because he is who he is. And so when you lie against the truth, it's like kicking against the gold. It's, it's giving a false witness in the atmosphere that could get you killed, like Ananias and Sapphira. Because he is present to testify of himself everywhere. The spirit of truth is in the earth until the time he is called back. So the Holy Spirit is here. And so here he says, do not lie. If you have bitter envy and strife in your heart, you do not. That is not the glory of the kingdom. That is not the power, the smoke that you release. That's not the spirit that you or I are to, to, to let out. He says, and don't lie against the truth. Don't give false glory and don't give false testimony. This wisdom, he says, descends not from above. Now, that's key. This word, this wisdom, this, this understanding, this, this ability to strategize, ability to see, to recognize, to discern all of the different things, the ability to solve a problem and have it utterly, have the adversary utterly destroyed in that area, the ability to bring the solution that will change lives forever for the good of the kingdom comes only from above. It says this, but this wisdom, this wisdom that you walk in with the bitterness, this wisdom that you do with the self-justification, this thing that we do to work this thing. You know how they say, I know how to work the system. I know how to work this. I know how to do that. This wisdom, the Bible says, does not, descends not from above. Its origin is earthly. Yes. 
but its origin is also sensual, of the flesh. Uh, it, ha it pertains to your feelings, to, to darkened feelings. Not just feelings. Feelings in and of themselves are not bad. But this wisdom works with everything from a dark place. Yeah. Works with everything that is sourced from an antithesis, anti-God, anti-truth, anti-spirit of the Lord, anti-kingdom. He said, when you, and he's talking to the saints of God, he said, I'm telling you, do not release that glory. Do not release that kind of testimony. Don't you let those words come out of your mouth. Don't you let that spirit be um, assigned to you. Don't you let that citizenship be the one that you testify that you have. He said, because it's earthly, sensual, and devilish, it does not come from above. It's in the earth. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, when they say common sense, it's like common with what? That's right. In common with what? In common with what? Okay. I don't want it. So here he says, but the wisdom, see, the other source of wisdom that is from above, it's first, the first sign of the wisdom of the kingdom is purity. He says, then it brings peace. Yes! See what I mean? It's, it's pure and it brings peace. When you get the solution to a problem, when you hear the word of the Lord that comes and suddenly everything just goes, yep, yep, you've experienced it. It's just like, of course. Because it's first pure. It's not tainted with, an, uh, with what you call an ulterior motive. There is nobody saying, I'm going to give you this. So that you can give, you know, you know, when you get in there, now you, 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 no, there's no ungodly trades to be had. And then he says, it's peaceable, and then it's gentle. <laughs> easy to release, and for those that have a heart for it, easy to receive. It's full of mercy and good fruits. It's without partiality. Yes. And it is without hypocrisy. Yes, yes, yes. So you see it right there. And he says, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. And I asked him, I said, wait, you didn't say the, the seed of righteousness. You said the fruit of righteousness is sown. How do you sow fruit? in peace to those that make peace. And I'm looking and I'm like, uh, you know, I'm getting completely off the, the track of why I was reading this passage of scripture, you know. And, but it was like, my harvest, I'm giving you something to eat. Not just something to grow. But the fruit of righteousness is fed in peace. I'm giving you yes. something to eat. Not just, I'm a sower. Mark 4.14 is one of my signature, I feel scriptures for my life. The sower sows the word. And so I sow the word. But wait a minute, no. I have fruit from these harvests that I've planted. And I feed in 
goes, it says, it's sown in peace. I, it's in peace. There's no cost to you. There's protection for you. It's, it's everything of the, my covenant that I'm extending to you. Eat at this table. And I thought Psalm 23, that you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Sit down and eat. Yes, this is raging all around. But this fruit, this food will fortify you. This will give you something internally. I sowed it in peace, and you will have the peace with which it is sown. It's an impartation. It's an impartation. Fruit of righteousness, sown in peace, is an impartation. This is what he gave me. And I want you to eat of it with me. Do you see how we never have to make a name for ourselves, but we get to feed each other with what he has given us so that we, then there's more of us to go feed others. Hallelujah, that's it. Do you see? It's a meal that, because it's the kingdom meal, you're not going to run out. Oh, God only has a small amount of peace to dispense to all of us. And then, you know, now if you let this peace run out, that's it. There's no more. No, there's no scarcity in the kingdom. This is a meal that we keep giving. We keep receiving and we keep giving. We keep harvesting and we feed people from our harvest. We don't just feed ourselves. And we keep seeding so that there's more. An expansion of the kingdom, different ground that we plant in, and we keep seeing this. It's kingdom, 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 over and over and over. It's kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Go to the next one, because it says kingdom culture leads to powerful, manifested life changes. This is a changed life. Somebody that's willing to feed you without cost. Somebody that's willing to give you of the best, the fruit of righteousness, some of the best that I have. And I'm not telling you, well, I'm going to eat steak, but I got some bologna in there. If you're hungry, you can have a sandwich. I'm going to have steak and salad, but I do have some bologna for you. Bologna, indeed. Okay. No, I, there's enough steak. I, had, I made soup yesterday. Actually, I made it the day before. It was a spinach and turkey soup, cream of spinach and turkey soup. I made it for me. She said. And Arena was there. My brother opted not to have it. But my sister, I mean my daughter, well my sister who is also my daughter, um, opted to have some. And she had her portion and I thought, great, there's still enough left. I'll have mine on Saturday. I don't have to cook on Saturday. I have soup. Crystal came over yesterday. And I had put my soup in a little pot because it wasn't a lot of soup. It was enough for me. And I put the soup on the, on the stove and got sidetracked because I, there was some other stuff going on. So I had left it. And Krista was there because she had come over to bring ribs for my brother to barbecue. So she's in the kitchen bustling around. Should have just been on one side of the kitchen just dealing with her stuff. She didn't need to be over by the stove. But she ended up over at the stove. And she sees the pots. And just about the time I thought, 
Oh, darn it, that soup is in there. Crystal is in that kitchen. Crystal says, what is this? <laughs> what is this in your pot? I said, it's soup. Oh, soup? I said, you cannot have, uh, uh, I said, what did I say? She's like, leave it alone. She's not gonna leave it alone. She said, um, I'm not in there. I don't even bother. I've, I've, done, I've, I've been here before. And so she goes and gets her spoon or whatever it is. I said, you cannot have a bowl. There is not enough for a bowl for you. She says, I, okay, you know, like getting ready to call me on my stinginess. And then she waits because she has been there before. I said, you can have a cup. She says, oh, yeah, she already got the cup. <laughs> she, she, I'm following behind her. You know, she's already doing this. And I know Crystal. And I know the cups that I have in my house. So I know she got a bowl-sized cup. <laughs> and sure enough, when she came to the living room, and this is how she does when she has her food she likes, she had a big bowl cup with a handle, but it had a handle, so it wasn't a bowl, it was a cup. And she, as she eats, Meme lives on, Crystal, okay, yeah. And I said, it's not enough that you take my food. Now you have to eat my food in front of me and make all your sounds. She said, mm-hmm. <laughs> because we're in covenant. There's, the soup was never going to run out, you know. There was enough, more than enough. But do you understand that she did not, I could not have told her, I got some bologna in the refrigerator. <laughs> you could have some of that, you know. Or you might find a corn dog or two up in there. You could have one of those. No, that wasn't going to work. You see, because she's gonna, I'm at your house. I'm going to eat what you eat. I will eat at the same standard in your house. There is, you don't lower your standard. I'm going to eat at the same level you do. So whatever fruit you got, I'll eat. All right? There it is. As we're elevated, we feed each other at the level of the elevation so that we all have a taste. My mother taught us, you know, we thought everybody ate the way we did until we ate at other people's houses and then we went home. We really did. Because when they came, they thought, wondered about us until they came over our house and ate. And then they wanted to eat at our house all the time too. So my mother ended up giving a whole barbecue for the whole street. Our whole neighborhood came to our house because Somebody said, well, if she cooks so good, she should just cook for everybody. She says, come on down. And they did. This is our childhood. It was a wonderful childhood. Okay. And um, what happened? Their taste buds tasted something at a different level from what they had been feeding themselves. And when that happens, you, you make the decision that you're going to come up or you're going to stay at a certain place. When people give you a taste of kingdom, you can take more of it. You see, we, we're, we're supposed to feed the world what the world can't get on its own. That's it. The kingdom of God. The ways of the kingdom, the lifestyle of the kingdom, the language of the kingdom, the power of the kingdom, the truth of the kingdom, the purity of the kingdom. Most people feel very dirty every day, and there's not enough hand sanitizer or soap or anything else to clean them from the dirt, from the grime of sin, from the darkness, and, and all of these things. They're, they feel tainted and invaded. The music that they listen to, the things that they think, okay, yeah, this is really happening, but there's a darkness that stays in them, or stays around them. It's a gloom, it's a this. It's like, I'm limited to this existence of 
killed or be killed or this is happening. Some people will steal from me or this will happen. And we've lived there. And when we truly come out, because some of us, we're still doing like Lot's wife looking back. But when we truly come out, we do not look back. We reach back and we pull people forward. Do you understand? But we never live there again. I never want to go back and live in sin's camp. I never want to go back and do the things that I used to do. I never want to know how to get by in the world the way the hustle of the world. What for? You don't hustle in the kingdom. You take ground. We occupy. We move forward. We have victory. We take victory. We go to where the victory is. This has your name on it. This is the banner that says, here is your place of victory. This is your place of overcome. And we go and we do that. So it's kingdom culture, which leads to powerful manifest that life changes. The, the culture of the world does not, it, it only brings a downward spiral. It does not lift you up. And when I was talking to someone, it's like, look, we're not trying to scare people into the kingdom. Jesus is coming soon. And so what we're doing is inviting you to know the king. We're not trying to scare you in because, frankly, you know you won't stay. People say, well, you need to come because you need the Lord. No, it's not because you need the Lord. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I, was, I was sharing with one of my Bible study partners. It's like, you know, you, you have a husband, but you didn't marry this man because you said, well, I need a husband and he's male. I just need a man. Any man will do. Okay? So I need, I need to be saved and it seems like Jesus has got the best offer out there right now. No, it doesn't work that way. It said, you know, because then your husband's name could have been anything. You just call him boo because you don't remember. Or something like that. No, it's, it's not like that. You looked at him and you did not just say, well, he's a man. I guess that'll work. You didn't say, well, he's got a job. And, he's, he, you know, he meets the qualifications. He's got the five, the five main points. And that should do. No, it had to do with more than that. It had to do with his name and the way he said yours. It had to do with this and this and this. And it didn't. you did not marry him because you needed a man. You married him because you wanted him. When we come to Jesus and stick, it's not just I came in on, I came, what gospel plan did you come in on? Oh, I came in on the need. I was desperate, I was dying, and I called out to the Lord and he saved me. And, uh, and, and so I'm on, on that plan of salvation. Did you elevate up? Nah, that was it. This is the basic plan, so I haven't seen any reason to invest anything in it. You don't want the upgrade? Nah, this is good. This is good right here. I'm saved. I'm good. It's like, well, did you know God's not in the insurance business? He don't sell fire insurance? No. What's your point? Something's got to change. That's right. And it's going to have to be you. That's right. Oh, now that's a powerful, that's a powerful truth. You see? Thank you. It, I agree with you. It is. Um, The, the plan that works is not coming into the kingdom like I remember uh, Brother Jerry Seville saying years ago. You're not coming in with your clothes torn off like from a movie like I've been shipwrecked when I made it, Jesus. <laughs> clothes halfway off your shoulder, you know, your, if you had a tie, it's a skew on the side, it's like a thing on your head, turned sideways, you know, your shirt's ripped, your pants are one leg up, one leg down, you look like somebody beat you, your water beat you, and everything else beat you, you know. But I'm here in heaven. No, that's, a, that's not the picture. It's not it. 
You see, he said he's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. The Bible says that there is a, that he comes to he who overcomes. Do I feel this? To he that overcomes. So there's overcoming that is to be done. This is this is part of our entire um, um, identification. This is part of our, our description. It's not even your job description. It's what it's it's your identity. Um, you were in the kingdom, then you're an overcomer. This is this is different from assuming that you're if you're black, you're a Democrat. <laughs> Very different. That's the wrong thing. That's stupid. Okay? No. This is the job because that's like telling you because you're black, here's how here's your limitations on life. You got to be this, you got to think this, you got to believe this, you got to be scared, scared of this, you gotta walk over here, you gotta talk like this, you gotta do this. You say, I ain't black. I didn't I didn't I, I can't dance. I can't do, you know, there's like 10 things you're supposed to be able to do when you're black. I don't do them. I can do them, but most black people don't dance like this, right? They say. What I'm saying in a, in a, in a cute way, I, I think it's cute, is nobody can tell you that you're, you're of, of a certain ethnicity based upon their expectation of you. But in the kingdom, these are the divine invitations and the divine DNA of God that that identify you. You can tell an American anywhere we go. I don't care what your skin tone is. Americans have a certain something about ourselves. Wherever we go in the world, they know we're American. That's right. And that's a good thing. It's a very good thing. It's a good you can thing. spot a British person, right? Americans. You know somebody who's French. You recognize someone from, you recognize an American. Yeah, this is what cracks me up. As a, uh, 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 an American <laughs> with brown skin, you know when somebody is from Africa. Yes, you do. You know, oh, you're from the Caribbean. How do you know? You don't look like us. Whatever that means, we got the same color, but you don't. Dr. Miles Monroe, I remember the late Dr. Miles Monroe said, when he went to, I think he went to Amsterdam, or, or um, he went to Holland, I think it was. And he said he's walking through the airport. Now he was um, from Bahamas, and he's walking through the airport, and he speaks like what they call British or the Queen's English. And he said, I walk through and I see a man that looks like me. He's the same skin tone and he's this and he's this. And I look at him and I start to talk to him, but he don't speak my language. Because even though we have the same color, we're not from the same country. And we don't speak the same native language. He spoke, he started speaking, he said to me in Dutch. I did, what? Because you're looking at me with the assumption that because I appear a certain way that I'm going to release the way you expect me to. When the truth is, you're going to release the way you are. That's right. Not the way they want you to be. Now, this is the power of the kingdom. That I, you can make assumptions that I am like I was in the regard. You ain't changed at all. That's like one of the most insulting things anybody could ever say to you. <laughs> you're still the same you. Well, pray prayerfully no, because that was not a good person. That was not a happy person. That was a miserable soul. You know, oh, no, you know what I mean. What do, no, I, actually, I don't know what you mean. I really don't. And she'll let you ain't changed at all. What does that mean? You know what I mean. 
Now I really am confused. Because I don't, we're not speaking the same language. We look like we should be. But you and I are coming from a different kingdom approach. We, to be identified by the kingdom of God, sound like Jesus. We sound foreign to the expectations. He was a Jew. They expected him to do Jewish stuff and talk like every other Jew. He didn't. He talked like the king. Do you see? So whether you be Jew, or you be black, or you be French, or you be Irish, or whatever your national culture is, the national cultural identification gives way to the culture of the kingdom of God. When we come into the kingdom, regardless of our exterior, regardless of our native country, we all sound like the king. That's the family of God. It's not based on color, denomination, uh, affiliations, and so forth. It's based on Jesus Christ. It's founded in him, grounded in him, rooted in him. All things are of him. And so we all speak the language of the kingdom. Different from French, different from German, different from Russian, different from these things. Those are just, that just makes you bilingual, trilingual, whatever. But your true language, your true culture is no longer all of the other stuff. It is the kingdom of God. One kingdom. Just one. One language, one God, one faith, one baptism. See, those things are, are written in the kingdom's um, constitution, a.k.a. the Holy Bible. Yes. This is the only language we speak. And I don't, you don't have to do King James, but you have to speak truth. That's right. Truth. Are you with me? And there is only, truth is only sourced from the kingdom. So, kingdom culture leads to powerful manifested life changes that you recognize no matter where on the planet the person happens to be. You recognize, whoa, they're speaking kingdom. How do you know? I know this language. They're speaking in a language that I understand. They're coming from a, a root place, a source of life. And I recognize that, you know, they try to sanitize it in the world. They try to, 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 to give it this and give it that and the other. But let me tell you something. The authenticity of the kingdom is a sound that rings true everywhere and shatters everything else. Gets folks upset and, and, and all these other because you cannot imitate this. You just think of the kingdom culture and the manifestation of it the same way the showdown was with Moses and Aaron against the, the, the wizards that were before the before um, Pharaoh. They were able to do up to a certain point. But when it came to the ultimate thing, okay, you're going to take your staff and you're going to turn it into a, uh, throw your rod down and turn it into a snake. Yeah, but when we do ours, it devours yours. You can only get so far with faking. But then there's a call for truth. And if you don't have it, it's going to show. That's right. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. I think that's awesome. So this is what I read in James. And that took me back over here. Because I was, I was looking at this thing, and it was a kingdom key God had, had for me. This is kind of a, this will be in K202, which is kingdom 202. 
some aspects of this. But it was I, my I am statements of faith. I had to make my own I am statements of faith to encourage myself in the Lord. Now this is something that I said it was, I did it, but I typed it, and I've learned sometimes it's better for me to handwrite because I'm putting more of myself into it. I can type with my eyes closed, but I can't write that way. Okay. I seriously can't. I can sit at the typewriter, and I do. Sometimes when I'm writing, I'll just do, I'll type, make sure I'm on the home keys, and I will type with my eyes closed because I'm letting the words come out. But when I'm writing, when I'm using an instrument and actually writing, I'm making a commitment to this. It's like it's my signature all over it. And so here I'm looking at this, and it says that David, when he humbled himself in the presence of God, he was actually encouraged. Isn't that a funny thing? It's like I'm not encouraged when I go into the presence of God and tell him how cool I am. But when I go into the presence of the Lord and, and humble myself, he encourages me. Isn't that something? He admitted that the discouraging thoughts were there. But he made the decision that they were not going to be his truth. That's right. See, encouraging yourself in the Lord is saying, this is coming against my mind. This is happening to me. This is what's going on in the world. This is what the devil and his team is doing. This is what's going on. And I'm frustrated and I'm tired and I'm, 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 I'm a little ticked off. What are you doing? And when I say, what are you doing? I don't mean, God, what are you doing? I mean, what are we not doing? Because I don't like the thoughts, the pictures that I have. I see victims. I see things that are happening to people. And I'm, I'm just blah, 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 blah. Because I don't like feeling helpless. And it just tells me I'm out of, I'm, I'm out of position. That's right. That's so true. I'm coming back to what I started out with today. So it was like, all right, I'm out of position. So this, this time, everything stops now until I get into alignment. Because in some things I, I follow, in other things I follow the leader, I, I, I end up being the leader. Do you understand? We always, wherever we are, it, it's just as everybody else falls into place. So you may start out leading the thing, but you lead it only to the place where the, the next leader, team leader takes over. And then you become, because, because there's an increase of numbers of people, and then what? You're still running. You still lead the part that you do. You still keep charging. But you're following now the leader, the, the, the appointed individual that has been assigned to this part of it. Because this thing is growing. Do you understand what I'm saying? So all of us, we, we wreck something. We mess up something of the devil. We do. One individual can change so many things. But in order for you to get a whole nation to change... It takes the word of God. It takes the Pentecost, she says, because a can a nation be changed in a day? Yes. But in order to get to that day, you've got to do stuff in the day that you're in. Are you with me? You do something in the day that you're in so that we can get to the day that changes the nation. Are you with me? Yes. So it says he humbled himself in the presence of God. And I said... He made the decision that the discouraging thoughts were not going to be his truth. They were thoughts, but they're not going to be truth. I, I think this. I think this. Oh, I think this. I, I don't think this color looks right on me. I don't think this. I don't, I don't think I'm going to make it. I don't think this. I don't think that. He's like, yeah, you think those things, but is it the truth? No. Well, Ken, then what is the truth? You go and get encouraged. You get discouraged by a lie, but you'll get encouraged by the truth. 
You. And so here's the next line. I have authority over my thoughts. I'm not stuck in a rut. When I choose to move in the power of my father's love for me, there's nothing that I cannot overcome, including especially the things going on in my head. If there's demons in your head, get them out. Don't do what they tell you. Don't do what they tell you. You know? Do you see what I'm saying? Well, the demons told me, do you even hear yourself? What did you tell the demon? I just said, okay. That's not okay. Well, the demons told me it would be okay. They lied. Did you know that one of their first in demon school, one-on-one, they say lie? <laughs> Lie, lie, lie. No, I didn't know. Well, evidently you met a graduate. Because they lied to you. Did you stop to say to the demon, or actually to say to the Holy Spirit, is this demon telling me the truth? Well, of course not. Well, why not? I don't just ask the Holy Spirit things like that. Oh, you just obey the demon. Did you know that the Holy Spirit would have told you that you have authority over that? I do. Yes, you do. You mean I'm not supposed to be afraid of the devil? I think that you should be more afraid of God. See what I mean? One source. When the thoughts are in our head or come against our mind, we have to know that we have the authority to send them away. That's right. And if we don't act on it, they don't go. They never get tired of you. Well, I'm just tired. They never do anything. You say, I just leave them alone. I feel so sorry for them. They actually look kind of cute today. You know, there they are going to church and everything. We should just leave them be. <laughs> that does not happen. That does not happen. It's like a bill collector saying, it's the dinner hour. I'm not going to call them. I want my money or the money I'm being paid to call and harass you to get. I don't care what time it is. It's, it's 5 o'clock somewhere, you know. So, no, it doesn't work that way. Do you understand? This is, this is the way these things are. If we don't exercise the authority, it doesn't happen. But when we do, everything changes. Yes, it does. Everything changes. So if you're feeling defeated, it's probably because you haven't been fighting. So we can remedy that. It says, um, <clears throat> God made provision for, I'm, I'm skipping through this, for my breaking through. And the scripture I read is 1 Samuel 30, verse 6, out of the, the Tree of Life version. It says, so David was in a serious bind, but the troops were calling for a stoning. For all the troops were bitter of soul, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in Adonai as God. And then in the King James it says, and David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. You see, now here's an interesting thing. You're in a world place right now where people are bitter of soul and they are also grieved. It's two parts of the same demonic thing. People who are deceived, 
will speak what they're told to speak, whether you watch a film like The Manchurian Candidate, where they all had to keep saying the same thing over and over about, I think it was Senator Ryan or whatever it was, is this person, is this person, and they didn't even know why they, why they said it. Something was put in their cereal. Something was put into their, into their head. You have to say this. And every time they said it, they recognized this is not actually me. You see? Well, when this is happening, you and I have the authority by the word of God to get the word and release the power of the word to get loosed from the sayings of the, the people around us. We don't call these things uh, the same way the world does. Nowadays, there's a, a pattern that they're saying, um, are you ready for the new normal? And Dr. Baker told us last week, do not say that. Here's something that the, that the Lord, as I was talking, he says, you see, I said, no, it's true normal. But true normal was not new. Our normal should not change. Because we have kingdom normal. Kingdom is our normal. The life in the kingdom, the culture of the kingdom is our normal. It's a supernatural, superhuman, if you will, the exousia um, dunamis normal is our life. And that's every day. That does not change according to climate. It cannot be legislated, cannot be voted out. It cannot be taken from us unless they can get it out of the hands of God. Do you understand? Your normal is kingdom. Period. It's not the normal of the world. They say, well, everybody's this. says, no, everybody is not. Well, what do you know? See, this is the same type of thing Jesus came into. Here he is in a world where the Romans, the, 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 the Romans have moved in, have invaded, and everything is different. And, and they're under an a, um, a autocratic, a, 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 um, I'm going to say also a, um, what we would call terroristic regime. We will crucify you if we don't like you. You're, you follow these laws, yeah, and we'll coexist with you. And the religious leaders of the day found a way to coexist with the Romans. We have this, and so we can negotiate these type of things, okay? This is what they have. But Jesus said, I'm not of this, and I'm not of that. I'm of this. I'm of the kingdom. And, and where I come from, if you knew what I knew, he kept saying that, if you knew where I come from, where I come from, this is not the way it is. Where I come from, this is the way it's done. Where I come from, everybody gets fed. Where I come from, everybody gets healed. Where I come from, everybody has a chance to prosper. Where I come from, the Father has, uh, has released love. Where I come from, I, 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 I'm able to see it from the Father's point of view and release what he wants to release to change things. So where I come from, miracles are every day. Where I come from, raising somebody up from the dead is not difficult. It is no more difficult to raise somebody from the dead than it is to, to speak to a, a healing or this. What did he say to them when they got mad when the man had been brought? He said, your sins are forgiven. He said, it is no more difficult for me to forgive sins, to say your sins are forgiven than it is to say, take up your bed and walk. It comes from the same source. The same source. Do you see that's what we have to see. Well, the financial, this, this is crumbling in the economies or this. The kingdom economy is not crumbling. The kingdom economy is not, um, uh, the kingdom economy continues. And he says, so use this as in heaven, use it to reset the economy here. 
brew the economy of the kingdom into the earth instead of looking to the earth's economy to solve your problems. Oh no, see, that's too much work. And that's where we say you just like him or you need him in these areas, but you don't want him in these. You see what I mean? It's, it's a wanting. Well, Lord, I do want you to at least be able to claim you my man. But I don't, I had a, I, okay, I was this shallow. I was. I had a boyfriend that looked better at night. Okay. I think you all understand next, what I'm saying. Next, next, no, no, I think you understand what I'm saying, right? We got it. Okay. So I only wanted him at night. Not in the day when everybody could see him. And that's the way many people walk with the Lord. I'll come to you at night, but I don't want everybody to really know we're together. Because I, I, I like you, and then sometimes I need you. But I have not yet crossed over to that place where I want you. And that's what brings about our success in the kingdom, is the desire for him. See, my desire to uh, have... As one um, prophet says, coffee with Jesus. She does a program called Coffee with Jesus, and I love it. Because she sits there and has her coffee and talks to him, and he talks to her. Some of us, you might have tea or chocolate. I don't know. But, you know, it's, it's really what she was talking about is intimacy with him. And she's one of the, I think, one, possibly one of those people that says, I got to have coffee. Some people are like, I got to have coffee to start my day. But that's just my physical start. Jesus is my true start. And so if I'm going to have the coffee, I, I, I'm, going to have, I'm going to have the coffee with Jesus, not, you know, or not Jesus with the coffee. It's Jesus first, and I'll have the coffee as well. That's what she was basically saying. And she writes things and gets things and prays things and talks to him and, and then shares the things that he gives her to impart. And each, each, each of us has that option, however we do it. Some people, it's late nights with him. You know, um, some people, it, it's because of their work schedules or the, or the way that they're wired, whatever it happens to be. The important two words are with Jesus. Time with Jesus. Time with Holy Spirit. Time with Father. You know, it doesn't take much. In the, the class that we've been going through with experiencing the courts of heaven and this other uh, class that I'm, I'm doing and a couple of other things, you know, they say, okay, we're going to take this moment right now. And we're going to act, they call it, uh, we're going to activate. We're going to have an activation and what we're going to do. And um, yeah, we may do this too. And, and in this moment, you're going to, here's, what, here's the scripture. Here's the door that we're going through is this word, the word of God. He is the word. He is the door. And so we go through the word. And so we do that and you have maybe a two-minute encounter that can absolutely, then we have broken off into groups and had these conversations and you find yourself weeping over the fact that what we call two minutes earth time was stepping out of earth time into eternity and experiencing him. It doesn't take him, Dr. Baker said this for years, it doesn't take him long. And what you find is that in that time that you spent with him, you know what you did? Even though the two minutes clicked on the, on the, on the regular clock, you and I, we have accelerated 
in the places of our life where we need to be. He puts us on track. That's the beautiful thing about no time in the kingdom, in the, in the spirit realm, is the fact that you can be put right where you need to be, even when you're behind schedule. That's right. That's right. All right. A few more points. So he was taking me through this thing, and I, I don't, I'm not going to take the time right now to do it, but I was going from steps, how these crops happen. Um, revelation, visitation, habitation, impartation. We, we looked at impartation, which was in James chapter 3. But that um, I said that I, I learned that when the word of God penetrates my spirit as truth, I can suddenly see hope where I didn't see hope. This is revelation. I was talking to a friend of mine from Canada yesterday, and the way the Lord gave him to describe revelation is it's the unveiling of something that you needed to see that you didn't see before. It's like the veil was just removed, and there's that, um, Abraham had that when he was sacrificing Isaac, or meant to, and God, he was told, no, 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 stay your hand. You don't need to do that. I have already provided, and looked over there. What was revealed to him, the veil was removed, and the, the, the thing didn't just suddenly get caught there, it was there. But his focus was on this obedience, this, this obedient, obeying God the way he saw he was to obey. And the Lord says, you, you, you did it. When you, this obedient, this uh, following of instructions that you've done, laying in there, in your heart, it's done. In your heart, it's done. So I have received what you've done without you having to do it. What Abraham saw, though, actually happened because he expected Isaac to be given back to him. And in his heart, when he did what he did, what happened? Isaac was given back to him. Isaac, who was at that point, had died. Now, Abraham is way. See, resurrection power was all over the place. What entered into the earth in that season. It was the ability for God to raise somebody from the dead. Yes. Because Abraham and Isaac, the father and the son, released faith into the earth. One released faith to, when he slayed, he will be raised up again. The other, if I'm slayed, I will be raised up again. The exact same thing that happened with Jesus and his father. You will, I will be crucified, but I will be raised up again. His expectation for um, resurrection, to be resurrected, to, to live again, to be what he was, was really in the earth already through being Abraham's seed and through Isaac. It had already been released. Because God asked the question, can I do without the prophets knowing? Can, can, I have to have man's permission. I have to have man's agreement to say, God, you can. God, it's okay with us for you to um, raise somebody up from the dead. And then Jonah, it said Jonah was the same thing, three days in, in the belly of, of, the, of the fish. But you still, you came back to life. You were dead, but you came back. You were as dead, but you came back. And then what did Jesus do? Let's, let's do some practice runs here. Lazarus, come forth. Ooh, funeral procession. 
Raise that boy up. Oh, here's the little girl. Let's raise this one up. Oh, this resurrection thing is working. Faith. Faith. Released. And an expectation. It is possible to raise somebody from the dead. How do you know? Well, I had heard about it. It happened in the, in the history. In, in, as you read about it, Father Abraham and, and the thing that happened, that was a form of it. And then this was happening and Jonah was a form of it. And then this happened and this happened. But, but, and it said that when the prophet Elisha's bones were there in the ground and, and, and the soldier fell dead, he got up because there was so much of the kingdom of the resurrection life even to the bone of the man that's the power to erase from the dead came from a dead man's bones. <laughs> Which tells me that if you get enough of this in you, even when you die, it doesn't disappear. Can you see it? Yes. So by the time Jesus gets here, all you gotta do, all it takes is somebody to connect, hey, there is the power to raise somebody from the dead. There is the power to turn, um, to expand a meal and to multiply it out. There is power to do these things. It's already here. It's already here. So for us, we're not trying to manufacture something out of nothing. We're bringing out of an invisible realm something that exists into this place. You're not getting something out of nothing. You're getting something out of somewhere. Yes. That can't be seen, but can be touched and can be accessed and can bring it forth. How do I know? Because we're such a one. Yes, we are. That's it. Because we Thank are. You, That's what we are. That's what we are. Oh, my God. That's what we are. Glory to God. Praise you, Father. You know what? Let's take a moment and let's do this, okay? Praise you, Father. Glory. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. This word says, Pray with me. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In James 4, Verse James chapter 4, it says, you know not what's on the morrow. For what is your life? What is your zoe? He says, it's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And most of the time when I've ever heard that, 
I, I thought of it just as a you know, said, so you're not going to be here that long. But that's not really what he's saying. He says, what is your life? What is your Zoe? What is your kingdom assignment? What is your function in being here? It's a mist. You come from a mist. It is but a mist. It is a it is spirit that has come into this earth in this season for you to manifest this little time in, in comparison to eternity. Time is not very long. Eternity never ends. But what is your life? What is your Zoe? What is your, your essence in this place? Your function here. It is but for a, it's as a vapor, it's a mist that appears for a little time, just a little time, 120 years, maxed out, just a little time, and then it's going to vanish away. But what you release here has a bigger, remember what Minister Jury said, the seed is greater than you. So what you and I in this time release is bigger and greater. This is why we still speak what Smith Wigglesworth or Lester Sumrall or this one or Catherine Coleman or whoever it is. We still repeat these words of those that have been, of what Abraham said, of what Daniel has said. You're still speaking because in that mist, in the mist of their time, these are the things that they release for the time that is now. In your season, in your season, what is your life? What is your Zoe? What is your miss? What is your bringing forth? In the period that we have, we have something to do. Are you with me? And I looked at that and I'm like, oh my God. Because he's saying, these are the functions of the everyday life. But you are not just every day. You are everyday kingdom. You are not everyday mere man, mere mortal. You are everyday superhuman. You are everyday alive to God. You are everyday born from above. You are everyday seated in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. You are everyday. You are more than what you know. Every day you are 1 John 4, 17. As he is, so are we in this world. Every day, every moment of every day, you are a kingdom citizen. You are never off duty. Never, ever do you put your citizenship on hold and say, I just want to, you know, I'm, I'm going to wander around the world and I don't want to be tied to my country. You are tied to your country because you are of your country. Do you see this? That is bigger than us. I don't have notes for this. It's just what, what was what was there. You know, and I'm looking and it's like, okay, revelation occurs when the word of God penetrates my spirit as a rhema truth. Suddenly I can see hope where I did not see hope. What happened? In the mist, the mist cleared and I saw. And because I am of the same, I have capacity. For understanding. Glory to Jesus. Yes. Glory to Jesus. I have capacity to take this in and to do something with it. You know, Satan does all these little counterfeit things. This 
In those moments, you know what revelation is? It's the sword and the stone. It's Excalibur's sword. And only the one, Arthur, was able to bring it up out of the stone and use that sword. In these moments of revelation, you and I, kingdom citizens, who is the one? And we read in Revelation where they're talking about that other scroll. Who is worthy to open this scroll? And it's only the Lamb that can open that scroll. But when the Lamb is extending a scroll for you and I, who is worthy to be able to read it? It is the kingdom citizens that are assigned for such a time as this. Glory to Jesus. Glory to God. Oh, I just, I, I want to honor your presence in here. Because I know you're here. You're always here. But I, you are here in such a tangible way. And there's such an increase of the, of the, of the presence of, of, of heaven in this atmosphere. And I don't think it's just where I'm standing, but it's, it's very heavy right now. Glory to God. Worship, worship. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this moment. We're going to say this. This is the door. What is your life? It is even a mist. It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. And then the scripture says, but in Jeremiah 29, God says, I know the plans that I have for your mist. I know the plans that I have for your time and your season in the earth. Galatians 6, 7 has told us we are in that due season. We're, we're, we, this is our season. And so take, just, just pray for a moment. I'm going to pray. I want you to close your eyes, um, if you will, uh, if you want. And I'm just going to ask him in this moment to show you something about your life as it's connected to your kingdom destiny and to this ministry, to, to what it is that, that you're a part of, of you. Because some people, I know I'm a part of the ministry, but I don't know, you know what my function is. So in this moment, Father, we praise you. And we thank you that we're in your presence. And it says in Hebrews 4 that we can come before the throne of grace. to come boldly before the throne of grace, that we may find mercy to help in time of need. We can come into the presence of our Father, who is the King. And I praise you for that right now. Lord, I thank you that right now we do. We choose to come into your presence. We, the astounding love children, your children. And I pray for each person that is here. We will see you as the one that accepts them, accepts us all. How about that? And I do see, wow, you don't have to drag, just going in, it's okay. Because some of you are kind of peeking through the door like, is this okay? Yes, it is, it is, go ahead, go ahead. And for some of you, it's a little strange because you thought that you've been in his presence and you felt just in this moment that you've never been there before. And what I'm asking, what we're asking, according to the story that is Jesus, that our life is a mist, is a vapor for this, this season of time. And that you give each of us a takeaway 
for living the kingdom life, the Zoe life that you desire in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the blood of Jesus that covers us. I thank you for the name of Jesus. I thank you for the protection that you've given us through the angels by your word. I thank you that there's no room for spirits of fear or doubt and unbelief. No fails. No fails. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you. Glory to God. No fails. No fails. Honey, I saw a few of you there. I saw Frederick. And um, Frederick is funny. He was he looked very tall. And he's kind of just he's he was an athlete as I recall, or ran track or something, but he was doing kind of a, a move that was just like he was dancing in this excitement to be in, in this place. And um, I also saw you this time. I want you to write down what you saw. If you saw, if you didn't, I want to tell you something. The day is not over. And um, whether you want me to pray with you, but there, or, or, or pray with someone else. There's a mist in this room right now. Do you have something that you want to say? No, except that through um, the next session, that the people that they visited out, they're already going to write the name. Okay, in the next session, Dr. Baker says, write your stuff down and, and wait for the next session. That's how do it. Okay. Hallelujah. Does anybody uh, sense what I'm talking about? Okay. All right, I'm going to go ahead. I've got uh, three God is, I said, what I saw is, I see truth where I did not see truth before. That's what we're talking about, revelation. See truth where you did not see truth before. See things about yourself that you didn't see. Some people are afraid that they have to have these super duper spiritual encounters. They always got to see all this great stuff because, because, because they don't see anything. And they're afraid that if they don't see something, then it means that they're not a part of something. And that's not true. It's not true. People feel like a failure. Well, you know, we had that encounter, but I didn't see anything. And they feel like they failed. You didn't fail. We pray to help you to see and to show you also how you see. Because everybody does, but sometimes we don't recognize the way that we see. When I would listen to people talk about this and this and this, and I thought, well, then I'm, I'm, not, I'm probably not saved. <laughs> I'm probably not saved because I don't have those experiences. No, don't compare yourself with that. Because the truth of the matter is you did have an experience and an encounter, and all these attacks are coming to worry it away and to steal it from you. 
so that you'll miss what you did get. Because you ask them, they go, oh, well, all I really, I, I didn't see anything, but this happened. It's like, that was it. And I want you to, we're going to learn how to recognize what is yours. You understand? So it's not, everybody doesn't have the same story, doesn't have the same experience. That's right. But we all have experiences. How do I know? Because we were all born from above, but we didn't, it didn't happen the same way. I'm saying we're all, but all that are born from above, when you got saved, it wasn't the same way. And some of you will have an opportunity to share that, too, because uh, of a project that I'll have to tell you about next time because I've got 30 seconds. So um, thanks for participating. Yeah, i got lots more to say, and I'll say it, uh, some of it on Wednesday, but in about the next 15 minutes, Mr. Minister Dury Foster will come forward, as well as Dr. Baker. Write down the things that you experience. If you're online, send it. Thank you so much for being a part. The information to find us is there. Um, we bless you with God's astounding love. Remember, next Sunday is First Fruits. And uh, thank you, God, for your presence today. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see you all later.